0: Veronica, hey, how's it going? It's great. <laughs> we're back in the pink room. I know. In this lovely, it's really only one wall, but I feel like when I imagine it in my head, it's all—all all the walls are pink. But really, there's just one pink wall. It's just so damn pink. So, everyone, we are back in the studio for season two of Thickest Thieves. Finally. And apologies. I think I told some of you that we were going to be back four months ago. Lies. I'm a liar. <laughs> We tried. Look, there's been a lot of obstacles. We've been working on it, but there's some changes, so we're back. A lot of change. Let's talk about the changes. What's been yeah. going on since season one ended? So I, I moved to New Orleans, mm-hmm. where I work as an investigator. So, so we that. have been trying to record sort of with me in Nashville and with her in New Orleans, and that's taken some trial and error, but right now she is in nashville and we are back in the studio together reunited once again
1: (laughs) so you're gonna hear a couple episodes from the nashville studio and a couple of episodes that we're gonna do between new orleans and nashville over the phone and we're trying to make that
0: not sound like crap
1: yeah which is harder than (laughs) you would think
0: (laughs) for people who know zero about audio engineering right i think we tried but we have friends who will help we have friends in high places Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, we tried to do one and I was basically, <laughs> so we did it over Skype We and I was just like running errands around my apartment the whole time we were talking. I was like changing my clothes, washing dishes, <laughs> like can't do that while recording a podcast. <laughs> so, you know, we're learning lessons, but we're back. And to remind you who we are in case this is your first time listening to us So I'm Veronica and I'm an investigator, but I also have a background in art history. I've taught it. I've worked with artists.
0: Sarah has a similar background. Mm -hmm. So we're both in um, criminal defense investigation. And I've been doing that for about three and a half years, something like that now. And I was an art critic and worked in galleries. And museums and things like that too Beforehand So we have an oddly similar background <laughs> yes. But it is perfect for talking about Art crimes So this season If you did, if you haven't heard our last season We focused on art heists And each episode was about a different art heist And we talked about what happened Who did the heist Why they did it We talked about the artwork that was abducted And we talked about the investigation Afterwards And all of that this season, we're going to kind of pan out a little bit and focus on art crime in general, because in researching all the art heists, which there are just tons of, we stumbled upon a lot of things that weren't actually heists, but they were just either art destruction or forgeries or like fights. There were there were just all sorts of things that weren't heists that we really wanted to talk about. So this season, we are going to get into some of those other things, and we might talk about some heists as well. But... We're using the umbrella term of art crime this R- time.
1: Right. With maybe, it seems as though we're leaning heavily into art destruction and vandalism for this season. Yeah. We might stray off that path a bit, but it's that's where we're at right now. Yeah,
0: because it's fun to talk about. We're yeah. excited. There are a lot of interesting things that have happened that are quite curious and interesting on numerous levels. Yeah. So many
1: one thing is that i felt like last season we were so focused on the ways in which people would try to carefully take an artwork out of a museum and keep it safe you know Mm -hmm. to get it to another location and now it seems like we're leaning more towards this thing of like what about when people just want to damage the work or alter it within the same location that it's in
0: Mm -hmm. so i think i'm leaning really heavily into that and yeah yeah so we're gonna talk about chaos anarchy people starting shit that's going to be this season. Yeah. It's
1: going to bring in the new year. <laughs> It'll come out after the new it's year, but for us, changes. it's bringing in the new yeah.
0: year. <laughs> so how was your Christmas? Just
1: going to touch on something briefly that does connect to our realm of working in criminal defense. I forgot that, you know, when you work every day in this field, it's just uh, you're working in it. mm mm-hmm not questioning it so much. And then I forgot that when you go to family land in December, some people remind you that they were really against what you do. Mm-hmm. And that could be challenging. And I was really caught off guard when it happened. And then I i guess it's been like staircase humor ever since. You know that term staircase humor where you like... No, what does this mean? It comes from France. It, like originally it's a French term and I'm going to f- mess it up if I say it, but it's like humor de or whatever, which means <laughs> staircase humor essentially which is referring to that moment when you're like walking down the stairs from a party or something and you think of what you wish you had said oh. in the moment of a heated debate or yes. when so- yeah. you're just someone launched something at you and you didn't say the right thing. Like instead of saying, you know, like someone says something and in, in, in response, you're like, well, you're made of poop, you know, <laughs> instead of saying something smart. And yeah. then on your way downstairs, you're like, God, why did I say that? <laughs> so I'm kind of having a bit of that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Regarding that, because I think there are a lot of intelligent responses to the controversial aspect of working criminal defense. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, my responses were more along the lines of, like, you're made of poop. So. Right.
0: <laughs> so that's yeah, mine. It can be a challenging thing for people to wrap their heads around. I mean, my response when people are against kind of the idea that we would be working on the side of someone who potentially committed a crime... I just remind them that like our system is supposed to be balanced and everyone deserves a fair trial. Everyone deserves to have their side of the story heard and taken seriously. And I truly believe that the truth comes out eventually, you know, and no matter what, like I just want things to be fair. Mm -hmm. And throughout history, we've seen a lot of people who have gone down for something that they didn't do. And for me, that's just so terrifying and tragic. I think being on the defense side is just part of balancing the system so that the cops and government don't have all of the power. Yeah. Because that's a scary thing. That's a very scary
1: thing. So that's my response to how have the holidays been? (laughs) (laughs) Super light and fluffy and happy. (laughs) Gingerbread cookies.
0: (laughs) yeah how have your holidays been my holidays were great so i won christmas this year with the gift for my mom so i'm gonna explain this briefly and you're just gonna have to trust me so my mom is really really into rap music a lot like she's a huge huge fan and it's kind of in the last year or so, she's been into like the SoundCloud rap dude, like the really young guys with like face tattoos everywhere, and she really, she really, really likes this stuff. Did she invite a bunch of them over for Christmas? <laughs> no, but her favorite rapper Juice World recently passed away. So for those of you who don't know who Juice World is, he was a 21 year old rapper, up and coming dude, super talented in his little circle, and he died. Drinking that lean He he actually Swallowed a whole Bunch of pills And drugs At the airport At Midway airport And died So my mom Was really upset about it, and she was talking, you know, we went Christmas shopping a couple days before Christmas, and that was all she was talking about. She's very upset by it. So, for Christmas, I went to Opry Mills Mall, and I got her this hoodie that said, R.I.P. Juice World, and it has this picture of Juice smoking a cigarette, like his hair in dreads, and on top of the hoodie, I got, there's like a little crown made, and I, and it's just like a white hoodie, and I gave it to her for Christmas, and she lost her mind.
1: Oh man, <laughs> that was a thoughtful present.
0: She was so happy, and now she's never. She may never take off the RIP Juice World hoodie. Whoa! <laughs> so that's how my Christmas went. That's amazing, and I just became so much more curious about your mom. She's a character. Mm-hmm. I love her. She's a saint, and she. But she is. She's got her very specific interests. Yeah, and fr- rap music's one of them. That's good, and she. She's yeah. World. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I feel like I've been inundated in juice world Like learning about him And like, hearing all the You know details and all the stuff So Maybe we should just do a podcast <coughs> Devoted to juice world <laughs> My mom I would become the favorite daughter then For sure
1: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool all right well that's the holidays got that mm-hmm. out of the way and then
0: like art news wise this is something we sometimes touch on at the beginning of an episode i have something that's interesting that i want to talk about briefly it might even be worth an episode if they figure out who did it in the future who done it who done it it's always fun to talk about something if we don't know who done it because then it's like all this just a it kind of is So last month, yeah, it was about a month ago, my friend Abel's, who sends me links, who is amazing, sent me this story about a group of thieves barreled into this church, but they attached a tree trunk to the top of their car and with the tree trunk drove straight into this old church, just destroying the church. Hmm. Which I think is just incredible. Like, as far as an image in my m- yeah. mind, I think that that is crazy. And I really, I really want to see a video of this happening. Mm-hmm. I can tell you're looking for one right now. So wait, so they, they call they- it the drive through art heist.
1: Oh, yeah. Let's do an episode on that one. I don't care
0: that we don't know who it is. <laughs> Maybe we can figure it out. So it was a rural French, rural, I can't say that word very well. Rural French cathedral. Some rickety doors that can be... Opened up with a tree. I mean, I just think that's a great idea. You know,
1: great isn't the first word that comes to my mind when I <laughs> it's think of that. A creative idea to bust
0: through. It's ballsy. <laughs> I mean, it's a battering ram basically, and they just like—did they get what they wanted? Yes, they did. I think. And then they didn't get caught. So successful. they haven't gotten caught yet. No, but they—oh no, they didn't get what they wanted. Oh well, then it was so attached that what they were trying to get—the this like religious artwork um, that they were trying to get—was too attached to the building
1: like it was emotionally attached like it was like leave me here <laughs> or i'll
0: weep so it was like fastened to the thing and they sawed through steel bars to mean, get at these objects it says cool. alarm sounded at 2 a.m and witnesses saw the three thieves flee in a second vehicle but authorities were too late too late to catch them but they didn't get the art they didn't get the m- one main thing that they wanted but they did get some ornate gold crosses chalices in silver and gold and valuable vestments i felt like you were about to break out into a song right
1: then like a christmas song chalices of gold <laughs> so do let's, we want to get
0: do we want to get into it let's get into it let's just do this let's shisa. get into it veronica what do you have for us this week. I would love to begin this one
1: by reading a passage. Oh, please do. A short passage that came out in 2007. So an article came out in 2007 called Ready Made Remade in Cabinet Magazine, which may not exist anymore. But when it did, it was a beautiful magazine. I feel like they would specialize in a theme. And then it was, you know, the magazine would and then they would just all the pieces inside of that issue or about whatever that theme was like let's say the theme is sleepiness you know or something mm-hmm. like that and then they would kind of really do a, an amazing job but I haven't seen it around so I feel like it's not around anymore and then it's written by a guy named or a man or gender neutral person named Lelandela Durante who might be someone I even know and this is their pseudonym like i don't know what the deal is with it but here's how it opens and i kind of want this to set the stage for what we're going to talk about okay a man walks into a room he is elderly the room is white he pauses for a moment glances around moves towards the far wall he begins to relieve himself in a urinal a few hours later the 64 year old retired seed merchant Pierre Pinoncelli is arraigned on charges of vandalizing a work of art valued at more than three million dollars. Mm.
0: Let's set it up with, say that's all the information you have. <laughs> <laughs> it starts off so chill and then <laughs> it yeah. escalates very quickly. We,
1: yeah, it's very simple. There's a guy, he goes and pees on something. It's
0: an actual urinal.
1: This is a crime though.
0: Mm-hmm. And Why? not just any crime. A urinal's made to pee in.
1: This urinal is worth $3 million. Why? Why? Let's figure that (laughs) out. (laughs) Don't (laughs) make no sense. Let's start with that. Let's start with the art object itself, which is it is an actual urinal. Now, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: this is a very famous urinal. Marcel Duchamp's urinal.
1: Yeah. So this is about his urinal piece. So I guess we should start with the story behind that.
0: Yeah. And then why? Because this is a revolutionary piece of art. Yeah. That's just literally a urinal. So let's talk about that first.
1: Yeah. So Duchamp was born in the late 19th century. So he was making artwork in the early 20th century. And amongst many pieces that he's known for, he's probably best known for the fountain, mm-hmm. which is an actual urinal that he did not create. He did not make it. He bought it from a plumbing supply store. So it goes in buys a urinal, just a run-of-the-mill kind of urinal. He signs it, R. Mutt, and that's not even his name, 1917, the date, and sends it to an art show in New York City. Not just any art show, it's an unjuried art show in which the whole premise of it was that anyone could send a work of art in and that work of art could consist of anything and it would not be rejected. So that's what he sent to the art show. He called it R. Mutt because the plumbing supply store was called Mott. So that's the name of the store. I guess the last name of the person who owned it. I doubt that person had any idea what was going on when this like random man in Paris comes in and buys this urinal. This one urinal that he has in his plumbing supply store would end up being (laughs) worth like three million dollars one day. I wonder if he's ever tried to come back and like claim it. I don't know. Because what happened was when it was sent to New York, it was immediately rejected. And Duchamp was on the board of this organization that hosted this show. This show and this unjuried quality of it was like his very ethos mm-hmm. that like anything could be art. So to back up a little bit, Duchamp is known for the term ready-made, mm-hmm. a term in art that comes up, which be- essentially just means what it sounds like. It's something that has already been made to exist in the everyday world that is then taken out of that context and then put into the art world. And then what happens when that transition is made and so Duchamp being all about reaction and response of people, especially that of outrage, had no problem putting his ass on the line and <laughs> and making the statement about like, what is an object once you take it out of the realm that it exists in? And it's not considered anything, but something that is used and then put into this realm where it's looked at, potentially admired, considered in a philosophical way. Mm hmm. So the, the urinal was not accepted
0: in that show. Even though nothing was supposed to be rejected.
1: Right. And Even it though got he rejected. was on the board. So I have questions surrounding that whole thing, but that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And then, in fact, that urinal, as far as I understand it, based on my research, no one knows where that actual urinal is. Like, it maybe was thrown away. Oh, the original one. The original is gone. And so that's a mystery where that is to, like, now. And then Duchamp kind of went into obscurity and was running around in these like kind of underground artist worlds where he was seen, you know, respected by anyone doing conceptual artwork or kind of steering in that direction. Mm-hmm. So I would say Duchamp is like often given credit for kicking off the conceptual art movement, essentially. And then he resurfaces in the 50s. And in 1964, he created several urinals, the same exact way that he did the first one. He went and bought a few of them, signed them, At this point, though, they're seen as art objects that should be exhibited
0: and talked about. He signed them 1917. Yeah. Which is
1: interesting to me. He maintained that date, you know, to, I guess, refer back to that story. Like, that's where, that's when the idea came about. It doesn't really matter which urinal it is and what it looks like. It's about, like, the moment he decided to do it. Mm -hmm. So it takes 50 years, almost 50 years, for it to get the respect he thought it deserved. So that's the story with the fountain. While we're kind of hovering over this, we can kind of comment on other aspects of Duchamp. Like, what do you think about when you think of Duchamp?
0: For whatever reason, when I think of Duchamp, I think of The Fountain. I think of New Descending a Staircase. I think of Dadaism. Mm -hmm. Like, those are kind of the three things that immediately pop into my head. It's strange because I feel like New Descending a Staircase is... It's just a painting. It's just a painting. It's
1: It's just just weird to say
0: that. I don't mean
1: any irreverence to paintings but it is a painting that was entered into the armory show. This is like four years before the urinal. That was his submission to the armory show.
0: Am I right? Yeah. So this was done in 1912 and it's a cubist Mm -hmm. painting. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's just so much in line with like the cubism world. And then he just totally takes just like a complete left turn from everything that he did before and starts doing the urinal stuff in the high conception. I I feel like it's a complete left turn, maybe it's not.
1: Although I'm gonna just base this on my memory, (laughs) which I've been (laughs) learning lately is piece of shit. Um, (laughs) But he did a piece before the urinal that, like, there's a story, and I don't remember where I read it, probably Calvin Tompkins, who was one of his main biographers, was the one who wrote about this, where he's, like, hanging out in his apartment in Paris, and he grabs a bike wheel, or I think it's just, like, dangling from the ceiling or something, mm-hmm. and he points to that, and I believe his wife or someone of that sort was in the room with him, and he's like, that's art. Mm-hmm. That's an artwork now. I've, I've called it an artwork. And he like put it on the wall in a certain way. And he's like, now it's an artwork. Mm-hmm. So this is something that it was in his wheelhouse or whatever. This is something he was playing around with. But I think this is his moment where he's like, okay, now I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is and actually submit a urinal to this unjuried art show. And let's see what they do with mm-hmm. this. And there are probably a lot of stories as to why they rejected it, but maybe he was testing their whole statement around not doing any sort of censorship at all. He was pushing, I guess, seeing where the limit was. Like, where, how far can he go? Right. And he realized, oh, okay, they'll never want artwork to be associated with piss. Mm-hmm. Just that connotation is too insulting to them. This art is sacred to them on a level that they're operating at a, at a level that is, like, in the past. And I felt like Duchamp was just like, way ahead of his time that's used a lot with artists but i really think that he was ahead of his time Mm -hmm. because he kind of knew how people were gonna start looking at everything that had value and why it had value including art including the aesthetic realm especially the aesthetic realm of course so yeah so that's that's duchamp for you yeah um love him or hate him he's here to stay yeah going nowhere because he's a big part of art history and so That work is revived in the 60s, but it isn't until, like, the 90s, really, that it's being messed with in a certain kind of way, in a way that pertains to our podcast, Art Crime, (laughs) because people start to interact with it in ways that are not allowed in museums. What do they do? Well, let's start with someone. It was actually a famous person who was the first to actually piss in the piss pot oh and not just any taking the literalness
0: like to the next level yeah one of my favorites brian eno yes we love brian eno yeah we we're big fans do
1: and (laughs) we had a whole discussion about brian eno on a road trip because I've decided Brian Eno would be one of my three, like, Desert Island musicians if I had to listen to, like, Well, let's talk about the terms of
0: the... Yeah, so the question is, if you're on a desert island and you get to listen to three artists... Everything they've done. Everything you... So you get to take their whole catalog with you on the island and you can only pick three. And the whole... Yeah, and so the whole catalog is the important, like, point of this question because... You want to pick somebody who has like a very interesting kind of long career, because then you get more albums. Mm-hmm. And man, Brian Eno is just such a good choice for that.
1: Yeah, I remember when I told you because I picked it first. <laughs> you did. I and, and you were like, "Damn, I want Brian Eno." Yeah. And then I was like, "Okay, you can have Brian Eno." And you took. who and did I took Arthur in? Russell. Yeah, that's right. That was my follow-up to Brian Eno, and then yeah. I regretted it, and I realized, no, I would definitely pick Brian Eno. But no take, Arthur no Russell. take
0: back. So I already have it, It's mine
1: uh we're just gonna have to share an island <laughs> or we can like boat back and forth my other two were Nina Simone and Gillian Welch or Gillian Welch I should know how to say her name she's gonna be one of my desert island <laughs> picks
0: but yeah okay so Brian Eno so Brian Eno what did he do let's so, talk about
1: this. so this is interesting because he's the first one to do it let's call this an intervention rather than a destruction or vandalism move but he was speaking in New York at the MoMA where the fountain was being displayed In a show called High and Low Modern Art and Popular Culture. So, of course, it's going to be in that show. So, he then is giving a lecture, and his lecture focuses on the fact that he pissed in the urinal. He constructed a whole like object, like almost like a giant straw. Mm -hmm. And I really wish that he had just pissed directly into the straw, but he didn't. He took a jar of his piss or some kind of vessel of his piss poured it through the straw that went it was like a tube more like a tube less than a straw and it had like galvanized wire to hold it to position it in such a way because the urinal was being protected by some objects mm-hmm. i guess some like glass plastic wall type things so that people couldn't just immediately access it so you had to stick this little like straw tube thing through the interstice between two of the panels and then it went Directly into the sculpture. So Brian Eno's urine went
0: into the urinal. Did he have approval from the museum to do this, or was this just like a thing that he decided he was going to do?
1: I'm guessing he had approval, which makes it less fun in a way, right? Yeah. It's kind of like Brian Eno, of course, you're going to get approval to. to do this and MoMA's gonna be like they're gonna have a janitor like ready to clean up whatever yeah. little droplets were boring there you know it's just he's got special powers to do what he wants so <laughs> we love you Brian Eno but not so impressed
0: but not that cool
1: but he did it to make a point I guess you know on he'll be able to tell his grandkids like I pissed in the urinal mm-hmm. um but so there's that very cool but mm-hmm. he also wanted to ha- start a debate about it I guess the debate being, what does it mean to return an an everyday object like this back and use it as though it were no
0: longer an artwork and it was just that object? Right. So you're replacing the functionality of it because what Duchamp did is take away the functionality of it, put it in a gallery and say, okay, what is this? Outside of its function, mm-hmm. um, like can we just can we look at this as an object without considering what it's supposed to be used for, mm-hmm. or maybe not without considering it? But when you take something out of its functional context, it does become a little bit different. So then Brian Eno puts the functionality back in it, and it's peed in.
1: Yeah, but I don't think that reverts it to a no. urinal. It only just raises its value, which it literally did. Like Brian Eno like raises. Pissed- going into the urinal bumped up its value from like what was it let's just use some arbitrary numbers everybody let's say at that point in time in 1990 it was worth like a hundred thousand dollars so mm-hmm. when once brian eno's piss goes into it let's say it gets bumped up to five hundred thousand dollars i'm just going to use arbitrary just, yeah. numbers <laughs> like that but it
0: did bump up its value it i must be nice for your urine to just be that valuable you uh-huh. know it must be must be pretty cool to know that I can piss on something and it's going to increase its value a lot.
1: Yeah, threefold.
0: Some arbitrary number that we don't
1: Yeah, I'm, just, <laughs> deci- we don't I'm just deciding,
0: you know, because, like, how do we
1: determine the value of artworks anyway? I don't really know. But I'm. Um, it's usually through their stories, the history of that artwork. It's provenance, et cetera. Who owned it when? So, of course, like, Brian, you know, pissing it is going to raise its value. That's my argument up for debate everybody um so he does that he talks about it he does a whole presentation he doesn't get in trouble for it of course and he kind of has a whole statement where he's like where he's trying to say that he's returning it to its radically democratic potential
0: man i don't know radically democratic potential right That sounds important. It does sound important, doesn't it?
1: (laughs) So he's kind of the, he kicks this off. Then there is another artist in 1993 named Kendall Gears. And at this point, the urinal, I don't know which version of it, because there are several that were made, is in a gallery in Venice called Palazzo Grassi. And he goes in to the gallery where it is being exhibited. And he pees in it, too. (laughs) So this is weird. Let me just say, this is why I'm a little bit confused at the moment, everybody. Because in 1993, two or three people pissed in the urinal. Mm -hmm. So 93 is the big year
0: of peeing in the fountain. People are just going for it. What's happening in 93 to make this happen? I don't know. Something in the world. Something was going on in the world. Something in the world, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) There's some historical element that was really making people want to pee in public. The Berlin Wall had fallen a couple years before that. Grunge has taken off yeah it's probably more to do with <laughs> this really gives you context of
1: where I was at the time. <laughs> just a girl in Nashville, Tennessee, listening to a lot of Nirvana at that time. yeah, yeah, there must be a connection with Nirvana, surely, yeah, because that's my limited <laughs> knowledge, and personal history. That's what I lend to it. So, um, you know, he does it as an intervention to it's like institutional critique. It's his statement on on the state of art and what it means to put like a urinal in a gallery space and have like bright lights shining on it. So that was his sort of intervention. But the one that I think is more exciting happened in 19 also in 1993 was Pierre Pinocelli. And that's who I was reading about in Mm -hmm. the cabinet magazine. He finds the urinal in Nîmes, France, and it's being exhibited in an exhibition called The Exhilaration of the Real. And it contains a replica of the fountain because there were several made. So I guess it's not an original. I'm confused with this. I mean, I guess all the ones made in 1964 were replicas of the 1917 one. Mm -hmm. That's the original. Right. That we don't know where it is. Probably a Saudi prince owns it somewhere. You know, that's my guess. What? <laughs> just because I feel like so many amazing works of art that we've been studying get lost. And then somehow like a Saudi prince owns it.
0: I don't know. Maybe just one. <laughs> maybe that Da Vinci piece. <laughs> I feel like it was probably just trashed. But I guess it was the only rejected one from that show. Mm-hmm. Potentially. I don't know. Maybe they did actually reject other ones. But it seems like if they rejected it, I just wonder what they did. They send it back to him. Maybe he just sent in photos of it.
1: No, it was sent. Oh, the actual object the was object sent. The object was sent to New York. And apparently a woman went and tried to install it. A nameless woman, I don't I don't know what her name is, but she went and tried to put it up. And they were like, no, 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 no.
0: Like, that doesn't, <laughs>
1: that does not work. That cannot be in the art unjuried exhibition. All right. And she's yeah. like trying
0: to hang it on the wall. And then it was refused. And then let's, well, we didn't really off. touch on this, but. So, this is not a urinal that's on the wall. It's, like, upside down on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. So, also in that way, it's, like... It's a like, sculpture. It's a sculpture. Yeah. yeah. Which mm-hmm. is grand in itself, you know. Right. And mm-hmm. it's upside down, which makes it unusable, yeah. too. Right. So, if you're peeing in it, you're just... You're peeing on a weird part of it. You're <laughs> peeing, and it's not going to do what it's supposed to It's not going to gonna drain anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. It just... It just pulls up. Yeah. <laughs> that's so gross. And stays there.
1: <laughs> until someone cleans it up. Mm-hmm. So, someone cleaned up Brian
0: Eno's piss... I really hope no one's squeamish about this. <laughs> nah,
1: peace not. Or so, if you are, whatever. He's not so get crazy. over it. Yeah, he's <laughs> fine. Yeah. So yeah, Pinocchio. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, so in, in August of 1993, he goes into the gallery or the Art museum in Nîmes where it's being exhibited, and he but he goes up to it with a little hammer and hits it with the hammer, and a then little hammer is it little it's it's small okay. and and then he puts some liquid in it and it's arguable that it's urine or tea the director of the museum's like it was just tea not pee is he trying to save face or something i don't know <laughs> yeah they they wanted to reduce the amount of damage or something so there's debate over whether it was tea, tea or, or pee, pee. yeah <laughs> at the time pianoncelli what he was like old man he sold seeds that was his job seed seller seed seed seller not his seed but just like (laughs) agricultural seed seeds for agricultural use so we believe yeah who knows (laughs) maybe what anything is (laughs) is, but he was also he was an artist he saw himself as a
0: situationist so he liked to do performances and was this one of his performances in his mind yeah okay so he went to court for this that's Ooh. why I think he's worth talking about, because okay. he actually got... He got in trouble. He was charged,
1: and he had to go to trial, and he had to ar- make an argument for why he did what he did. And his one of his arguments was that the piece that he deposited some unknown liquid into... TRP. Uh, yeah, was worthless, and that he added to its value by doing what he did. And he put the defense up that invitation to urinate is offered ipso facto by the object... Hmm. That's his quote. Mm-hmm. So he was given a one month suspended sentence for voluntary degradation of a monument or an object of public utility. Hmm. Like that's public utility, interesting. Yeah. Degradation of a monument or an object of public utility. OK, so
0: that's probably the charge.
1: That's the charge.
0: Gotcha. But, I mean, okay.
1: do you think they had to... Do you think that was, like, a pre-existing charge, or do they have yeah, to... Yeah, like,
0: probably. I mean, yeah, that's probably people, what they use for vandalism of, you know, statues outdoors or right. something.
1: exactly. Yeah. So, that's what he's charged with, and he doesn't
0: really have much of a... You know, he doesn't have to do much about it one month. Did the court inform him in- that his urine is nowhere near as valuable as Brian Eno's And that uh, he I, didn't actually increase I the value would, of that thing very much? so. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, we would like to inform you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Your pee is less valuable valuable than Brian Eno's like team. way less so he didn't get in <laughs> trouble but you did I mean I hope his lawyer brought that up you know into the case like why didn't Brian
0: Eno get in trouble mm-hmm. that's typically not a very good defense but right <laughs> but it could. I mean if you're talking about like precedent of law you can say you know
1: I mean if that's my brain goes to that as something if I if I were his lawyer I would have maybe tried to take in that direction like
0: but as we said Brian Eno probably had permission right so that would be pointless to go down that path uh. Also, I think it's a really important distinction as to whether or not that was pee or tea. Exactly. You know, that's a very different thing. If you pour tea on a statue, is that really even damaging it? I don't right. Know. But he brought the hammer into it. So oh. it was an intentional act of like some kind of minor destruction. Right. right? I think, e- or degradation or whatever. I so. think these charges need to be severed. I think the tea one and the hammer need to be separate. They need to be tried you separately. like a
1: lawyer. <laughs> you sure you're not... And a lawyer? hmm <laughs> So he was given a very minor one-month suspended sentence. And
0: oh, that's nothing.
1: Yeah. He doesn't really have to do much about it. So then in 2006, many years later, like 13, the urinal, the fountain, is exhibited in Paris. And Pinocelli finds it. And he takes a toy hammer, an even smaller hammer than before, <laughs> hits it a little harder this time. Because apparently a little damage was done. Although I don't know what that damage was, but that mm-hmm. was something that was stated, like uh, minor damage was done. So he does it again. So he takes a little hammer, mm-hmm. hammers at it, and does a little damage. Does a little, <laughs> does a little damage and is fined 200,000 euros for moral damages. And then 14,352
0: euros for material damages. Wait, moral and material are separate. Interesting. Yeah, and moral is way higher. Veronica, I have a question. Yeah, I hope I can answer it. <laughs> I mean, like, why doesn't he just take a sledgehammer and smash it?
1: Uh-uh. Like,
0: what is the what is the deal with a little hammer and a little bit of damage and just like this? I don't, I don't understand that. He's obviously not trying to destroy it because you right. could destroy it because it's made of ceramic. I mean, you could just take a mallet and crush it,
1: right? that's a great question it's it's like um let's create an analogy to murder okay yeah. um, say you're you're someone like pinocelli right and you're you're fixated instead of on an object a person so you're like you know this person i want to do something to this person i don't know what mm-hmm. i want to do um you don't want to murder the person you want the person to continue existing but you want to make a statement some kind of mark on the person so you find them in public and while they're signing books or they have a concert or whatever it is you just like cut them <laughs> cut them.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Are we talking like stab them or just no, you just, just like, like a
1: little cut? Okay. Just a tiny little cut.
0: Okay. I don't know. I would be traumatized if someone came up and cut me. Yeah. I <laughs> No know, matter but, how small. But say you're like, you know, a giant star. You're like Dolly Parton sure. or something, you know, and then. And then you just have the knowledge that you left a little scar on them. And then,
1: yeah. And then when you're charged in court for
0: aggravated assault or whatever, mm-hmm. which you definitely would be, you would special dolly uh, partner probably dolly okay. partner <laughs> dolly
1: parton yeah um, now our southernness comes out more <laughs> yeah maybe that's not a great analogy but i'm just trying to think like why yeah why not destroy it why not go all out I mean,
0: I think it's a attention-seeking.
1: It's attention-seeking, and then it opens this whole question up between the difference in the value of a moral damage and a material damage. That's it's... interesting to me.
0: I've never heard of that before.
1: Yeah. So that's why I think he's the most interesting one of all the people who, who kind of fucked with the mm-hmm. the fountain, you know?
0: So there were
1: legal proceedings, of course, and it just kind of, like, opened it all up. Like, Pinocchio also thought that, like, this would make, duchamp happy that this entire debate was brought up like in the courtroom setting because Mm -hmm. it takes them back in pursuing this trial it takes them back to the 1917 version of this that was rejected and destroyed you Mm -hmm. know so there it revives it and it brings back the question within the courtroom what
0: makes this a
1: work of art and that's fascinating for the conversation to take place In that setting,
0: right? So it's no longer the art historians debating it. It's like lawmakers arguing, or not arguing, but it's like, yeah, why? Why is this not just a urinal that a man has peed in Mm -hmm. or or poured tea in? Right? (laughs) You know, it's like it really does take on a whole new, interesting conceptual thing when you're arguing about it in a courtroom. Right? Because there is the defense that, Your Honor, this is a urinal, Mm -hmm. and I just poured tea in there. (laughs) Right? Not a crime. But the interesting
1: thing is the person who's going to be making that argument is making it on the behalf of the artist who does the act of destruction. Mm -hmm. So then is that artist, his client, Pinocelli, is he going to want his lawyer to argue on behalf of it just being a urinal or being
0: an actual artwork? I mean, I guess regardless, it belongs to the museum or collector. I don't know who actually owns it, but whomever owns it, it's still their property. So it's their property. Yeah. You can't just go peeing on other people. But I mean, like, if there's a urinal in the restroom in that place... Yeah, I don't know. I think it gets philosophically interesting. I would just love to see the <laughs> judge's face during this whole process. Like, and just, I would love to be a part of this argument. I would, I, would, I would actually love to be the lawyer in this case.
1: Yeah, I mean, me too. It's ridiculous. And I hilarious. feel like I could run
0: circles around the prosecution.
1: Yeah, it seems like you could. <laughs> Maybe you need to go pee on this urinal and then be your own lawyer. Yeah, I'll represent myself. Yeah, or I could go do it and you could be my
0: lawyer. Oh, that's perfect. That would be a great. Okay, so after.
1: Except for eventual... law school, like that needs oh. to be a part of this.
0: Oh. Eh. Boo. No, I mean, do you have to? Actually, you don't have to go <laughs> to law school. I could be a self taught lawyer. Okay, um, you do the ping. I'm going to be your lawyer. Okay, it's going to be great. There's the no I, way this can go wrong.
1: I want to do the. Like, can we do a role reversal of this with another artwork too? Because then sure. and I could be your lawyer and you do some destruction. Let's yeah. just kind of compare contrast. Is this going to
0: be before or after our art heist? Um. After okay, yeah,
1: okay, definitely after. I want to do art heist before I do art destruction.
0: Okay. So
1: as though that weren't enough pissing, there's more to come. <laughs> 1999 in Stockholm, there is a student who does this. Of course, it's being exhibited in the Museum of Modern Art in Stockholm, and the student's name is Bjorn Geltoft. I wow. don't know how that sounded so correct <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> yeah so the thing that happened is he made an announcement that he peed in it um and the
0: director of the museum is like no he didn't there's no evidence to substantiate this. oh wow he this is not. like the trp thing it's like just trying to deny it right why, why deny so this? that's the initial instinct with these people they're like <laughs> no, no we didn't. have
1: protected the work <laughs> and he didn't do it but the actually there was a tabloid newspaper that had a photograph of him doing it i guess he had someone take a photograph of him peeing into it very directly i can show you oh yeah let me see he's wearing a cool sweater he's kind of cute and he's cute
0: Um, okay
1: yeah that's a photo of him
0: definitely peeing in it
1: cool sneakers on yeah he's peeing in it and then um, after the museum director denies it this tabloid publishes a photograph of him engaging in the act (laughs) and they quoted him as saying I wanted to have a dialogue with Duchamp he raised an everyday object to a work of art and I'm turning it back again into an everyday object which sure Bjorn but actually I don't think that's how it works
0: no and also Bjorn get off your high horse like I right. feel like he's trying to reach Duchamp status by saying like oh I have just as much power as Duchamp did and I don't know and, I don't know
1: and it also it just a
0: little grandiose you just don't revert it back it just doesn't right yeah work like that you know Bjorn doesn't have the power to do anything to that
1: no for other now than it will forever be not just a
0: urinal yeah even if it was installed in a bathroom and no one talked about it
1: it doesn't matter like it's still a work of art in my mm-hmm. opinion Debatable, but I—that's how I feel about it. Yeah. And there's one more. This one is like no, I don't really like this one very much, so I'm not going to spend much time on it. Like one second. Mm-hmm. Um, two artists, tr- performance duo, kind of like a Gilbert and George type, it seems, but they're more like pranksters than mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know them. I've never followed their work or anything. Um, and I'm going to botch their names. Ugh. But uh, Kai Yan and Jian Jun. G wow I'm
0: sorry <laughs> that was amazing <laughs> um,
1: there they both peed on it at the Tate modern in London in 2000 but that was also Tate denied that that happened they said that they never did that
0: so, so the 99p and the 2000p both got denied yeah but the hmm. 99p we know was we, there was proof. through a tablet
1: I haven't found a photo of these guys doing it, but uh, yeah. I find the denial interesting. Me too. So Tate's like, no, it didn't happen. To this day, the sculpture is always enclosed in a transparent box. Oh. So. Who's going to pee on the
0: box? Someone's going to pee on the box. Yeah.
1: What's going to happen next? What is the future of vandalizing
0: the most vandalizable artwork? I know. This is exciting. I can't wait to see what the next installment is.
1: Yeah. Well, it's got to be somewhere right now. Where is it right now? Where are the several replicas right now? who
0: knows yeah but that is the story of
1: love it hissing in the pisser <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great all right so i i'm there's so much more to talk about on this but i feel like we've talked a long time we've talked for a so, minute so if you want to talk to us about some of the things we brought up we do have an instagram account which is thickest Steve forever at <laughs> not at anything <laughs> well it is at it's at thick and seas forever. right I got it mixed up see I feel like I'm from the 90s when it comes to talking about the internet I'm
0: like we are 100 years old everybody right <laughs> I don't know how to talk about internet stuff at all yeah thanks for listening to thanks our everyone return episode we return with we've said P like 4,000 times I know it's so weird um, but hey we're owning it we're yeah. not denying it nope no shame we are really excited to be recording a whole bunch of new episodes and mm-hmm. releasing them as we get them recorded and it's going to be tight.
1: Yeah. I would like to take the moment to say thank you. For <laughs> <what>? <laughs> <laughs> ah, Okay, get on your soapbox, girl. Yeah, no, I was just gonna get say, on there. Thank you to, and then I realize we don't thank our people; we just say what they did. Yeah. So our theme music is done by Patrick Danfier, and our podcast artwork
0: is by Saskia Colgis and this is produced by We Own This Town, the greatest podcast network in all the land. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> thank you to all of you who are part of this. Yeah. And if you haven't checked out other podcasts on the network. Please do that There are so many Amazing people Recording things Alex Steed is doing National Demystified There's Hot Minute There's My Fantasy Funeral Which yeah, is love. awesome I want to be on My Fantasy Ladyland mm-hmm. Go check out The other podcasts On the We Own This Town Network Because they're They're like our siblings They are our little siblings
1: We don't talk to them much But they're there Yeah But we listen to them <laughs> We don't talk to them But we listen to them Yeah That's
0: the kind of Sibling relationship we have Yep yeah. it's, it's great That's Go listen great. to those And we will be back But with listen to us other- more We're going to be a little greedy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we'll be back with another episode very soon. Yeah, like in five minutes. Yeah. Bye. Bye.